0: I'm Kim Grinnells of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund podcast time. Summer vacation is officially over where we are all back to work. Uh, My son's probably going to give me a bunch of crap that I'm not playing golf three times a week (laughs) anymore, but uh, you know, conference calls this morning with the network and um, you know, just getting ready for practice. It's about to start Thursday. I was actually down in LA from uh, Wednesday through late Friday night and For those who haven't been traveling lately, traveling isn't fun, but media day, practice, recruiting, expecting some possibly news later on in the week, but uh, we are officially back to work. Guys, media day started off. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch all of it, but media day on Friday I thought was pretty interesting with um, the Pac-12 commissioner, George Kleofkoff. When I was listening to it, the two words that I kind of thought in my head was how I perceived him and defiant, pissed off, angry a little bit. But did you guys sense a little bit of that coming from the commissioner? I don't
2: I know. I his... just, I, I just thought he, I just thought he was, I thought he was eager to, to trade blows. Like, you know, he, he had seen the stuff that had come out of the big 12. He had, you know, heard the stuff about, you know, the president, some of the presidents, the chancellors, the PAC 12 getting, you know, propositioned or at least getting some some, you know, possible interest from Big Ten schools or Big 12 schools and what have you and and all this and 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 just kind of the demise of the Pac-12 conference in general. And I think he was more than ready to push back on that with on a number of different fronts, whether you're talking about the new media deal that's going to get negotiated, whether or not, you know, the Pac-12 could expand, which he's obviously put fully on the table. So I thought there were a number of fronts that he clearly wanted to make very, very sure that people understood that the Pac-12 is not dead yet, and they're they're gonna if they're gonna they're gonna go down, they're gonna go down fighting.
0: I thought what was really interesting was on. Um uh, Thursday night um, is <laughs> kind of funny because media day uh, in the past is a lot of it was about Larry Scott. And I actually saw George the night before walking around LA live by himself. He didn't have the 20 something underlings walking all around him like Larry always seemed to do. And then again, you know, I always used to call him back pat Larry because whenever Larry talked to the media, he spent the first 10, 15 minutes patting himself on the back talking about the awesomeness of Larry and everything they accomplished. And one of the guys brought up, I don't know if you guys remember this, on a media day where he spent about 10 to 15 minutes talking about Washington rowing. And we're down there for media day and just talking about Washington rowing, which nobody cared about. But uh, George came out swinging. He definitely came out swinging. What was the line where somebody asked him about the Big 12 comment that they're open for business? And he said, yeah, I'm not sure we want to shop there. Was that the comment he made?
1: Well that was one of the comments and the other comment was at least we can still do math.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, thought that was the, pretty funny.
1: Yeah, that was that was a good line. I, I wonder if he uh workshop that one with people or if he just came up with that on his own but uh no i you know kim i see where you're going with this with the he seemed a little defiant and things like that i i think chris is a little more on target though in in the fact that i think he was ready to put some stuff out there i think he was measured in his response i don't think he was too fiery or too over the top or anything like that but you could tell he definitely is sick and tired of all this stuff and he just wants to get to get to the time when, when they can do their, uh, negotiations and things like that. Now, I believe he said that the big 12, is that correct? Or is it the big 10 that has their, uh, media thing come up and then they're the next cup. Is that what it is? Yeah. You're talking about the media
2: rights deal. Yeah. The yeah. media yeah. rights deal. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. big 10s first. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And then he says, and then we're next. And then when that happens, that's when we'll kind of see where things are and, and, and he said, "Don't write us off um after that we're gonna we're gonna work on expansion ourselves, and uh you know he, he i think he's he's a big believer in hey, we can still make this thing work, and he's not ready to say say it's over
0: when he was on k j r he pretty much said that he expects the media rights deal to be done in uh you know the end of the year like november ish is what I read from what he was saying on k j r so
2: yeah, it's going to take a few months, but, you know, when you when you hear quotes like, you know, we haven't decided if we're going to go shopping there yet, referring yeah. to the Big 12 schools. I, I just think that's clearly Avkoff saying, hey, look, if you're going to talk about shopping out here on the West, we're going to talk about shopping over there in Texas or shopping over there in Big 12 territory. So if, if, if you're saying it's basically fair game, then all I'm telling you is that it's going to be fair game on both sides. So this, right. this is not going to be a one sided deal.
0: What I also find interesting is, I don't know, you know, I don't remember if he said this in his uh, address to everybody or if he said it while I was working with KJR, but he kind of insinuated that um, USC and UCLA were pretty quiet about being approached by the Big Ten. But this, the remaining schools, when they're being approached, those schools are pretty much telling you know, the rest of the conference, what's going on. And I kind of read between the lines, it was Stanford, you know, who was pretty much telling him everything that was going on, you know, with um, conferences approaching them. I don't know if you guys picked up on
1: that. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. If they were the ones doing that, I, I think Stanford's preference would be to stay out West. Honestly, I don't think they wanted, they don't, I don't, I don't think they like the idea of the travel and and the amount of stuff that's going to happen. and, And, uh, you know, one thing that George did say was that he said, we forgot about the student athlete. And I know Hugh hates that term anymore, but you know, the, the amount of travel that these guys are going to have to do, and we're not just talking about football here, basketball, imagine what that's going to be like. Oh,
0: imagine women's softball from UCLA going to Ames, Iowa and Minnesota to play softball in March and April.
1: That's just going to be brutal. And, And you know, soccer and 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 swimming. I know UW doesn't have swimming, but and gymnastics and all the different things that they have to do. The travel on these kids is, and they are kids still. I know that some of them are 21, 22 years old, but the they don't. The, this is not going to make things very easy on them um, as far as their academics are concerned, as far as you know, being in classes and all those different things. It's it's going to be hard, and and so. Um, you know, I thought that was interesting that he went there with that uh, whole thing, and, and um, I think it's true. I, I think that was one thing that a lot of people loved about uh, college football was that it was a regional sport that was played nationally and where Pac-12, like the western West Coast teams were like, hey, we can still battle against these Midwest and East Coast and Northeast teams and all that stuff and Southeast teams. We can battle with them, and and now we're losing that, and it's kind of sad.
2: Yeah, Come real quickly, gonna- real quickly, Kim, on the Stanford angle, when you guys were talking about Stanford, I don't think it was a coincidence that Bernard Muir, the the AD of Stanford, was on the was on the podium with Kliafkov and Merton Hanks. I mean, I think that I basically I read that as Klyavkov saying, I want one of my ADs who who is getting approached, whether it's Big Ten, whether it's wherever I want him front and center to to kind of create a united front at least that's how i took it
0: and i think you know, everybody's talking about all of this but the key to all of this i still think is UCLA I'm not sure that that is absolutely a done deal yet, you know, with the politicians getting involved and I'm, I can't remember the name of the uh, authority, but the California education board or whatever you want to call it, because what UCLA is doing is going to have a dramatic impact on, on Cal, you know, and I'm hearing, okay, if they're going to go, then they're going to have to subsidize Cal because of what the the impact that it would have on Cal from losing TV revenues and things like that. So, um, definitely keep an eye on what's going on down at UCLA, because one of the reasons that they wanted to go that athletic department at UCLA is in debt up to their eyeballs. So, um, you know, I don't know what your take on that is, Chris, but, you know, keep an eye on what's going on at UCLA.
2: Well, my, obviously my initial reaction was, since they are a part of the UC system, how do they untangle themselves from that? Because they are connected. It's a public school. So, you know, they are going to have to tell people exactly what they're doing. They're going to have to be very transparent about it. Whereas USC doesn't have to be transparent at all about it. They can literally do whatever they want. Um, but the second thought was, is that it, it, like everything else in this stuff, Kim, right? It boils down to money, right? So if you're looking at the, the financial implications of this, what if, you know, so they're doing this for the for the short-term gain, Okay, so they get a lot more money in the short term, but if they're going to have to divvy that up with the UC schools so that a lot of it helps pay for Cal Berkeley, some of it pays for Santa Barbara or Santa Cruz or some of these other schools in the UC system, UC Davis, whatever. You know, now all of a sudden you're looking at the the financial gain that you were expected to make by doing this deal has now all of a sudden become a zero-sum game. So there's literally no benefit to doing it because you're not getting any money out of it. And on top of it, you're going back to all the things that you and Scott just talked about in terms of losing the focus on the student athlete, making them go clear across to the East Coast for things that they should never have had to do and all of these other implications. So it could end up being a double negative for UCLA at the end of the day if it doesn't work out from the financial standpoint.
0: Yeah. the way i'm seeing this and a lot of people agree with me you know when i was talking to them down there is this conference realignment it's a four-quarter game and we're midway through the first quarter there's a long way to go okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The other thing that, you know, I uh, several people were commenting on and were pretty you know, had some pretty strong words including George Klyovkov. and david Shaw is this nil stuff that's going on where it has turned into pay for play and the rules are not being enforced um you know you've got a head of the uh, ncaa who's toothless that has said he's going to retire next year and you know as somebody said if you're thinking about retiring you're retired and mark emmert he's he says he's retiring and he's gone but You know, it's going to be interesting to see where this NIL stuff is going to land because you have, you know, a handful of schools that are really going heavy on the NIL and the rest of them aren't anywhere near. And it's going to be interesting to see what enforcements that they can indeed come up with the NIL. And that's one of the things that I took away from also, you guys.
1: Yeah, I I, the NIL stuff is is just so out of hand and they've got to figure out a way to have some rules that still play within the Supreme Court ruling that kids can make money off of their likeness and and name image likeness and all that stuff. A lot of people say... That the lawyers who have set up these collectives and these quote-unquote agents that the, these players are using now to set up things will just go in and sue the second that they put any limitations on these kids. But I think there has to be some sort of limitation or you're just going to completely lose any fan. I, I mean a majority of the fans are just going to leave. They're they're just – they're not – anybody who's, whose team is not willing to pay a million dollars to a guy who's never played down is – You know they're not gonna they're not gonna be interested anymore, and the college football can't afford that.
0: I think what it's going to come down to is you're going to have to have some type of a clearinghouse where all any and all NIL deals have to, you know, pass the test of uh, of the clearinghouse. And it needs to be done in a, you know, expedient manner. So it doesn't take forever to get that stuff done. But I think at some point um, we'll see that uh, see that happen. And everybody's talking about you're not going to really see movement. Uh, unless it's federal legislation. And that's not going to happen until after the midterm. So after the first of the year. So I think spring could be pretty interesting to keep an eye on what's going on with NIL. If something's going to happen, I think that's when it's going to.
2: Yeah. To me, it just feels like it with with these collectives and whatnot, it just feels like it's going to devolve because you are getting a lot of unintended consequences. And I think some of them are going to be positive or instructive in terms of, Kids understanding how to deal with business, how to deal with taxes, getting involved in that side of things. I think that's a positive because I think that's a that's a part of the equation where the school can really help educate these kids and give them some real world knowledge. Now, the unintended consequence that's going to come out of it is what you were talking about, Ken. When, when we talk about lawsuits, when we talk about those types of things, that's when you're going to lose the whole system. That's when it's just going to turn into a food fight. And when those things happen, I can't imagine how that spills into a locker room, for instance, and turns into a positive. To me, I just don't see how that works.
0: Yeah, well, we've seen a little bit of it with uh, wide receiver USC. But what happens when, you know, promises are made and athletes aren't getting paid or athletes have, you know, made agreements for NIL and they're not doing what they have said? So this thing, like I say, we're in the first quarter of a midway through the first quarter on a 4 quarter game and there's a lot to go but just a lot to keep an eye on so um also just real quick the nil deal that washington put together with montlake futures the uh fishing thing that they did was awesome it was awesome i'm going next year that thing was awesome and they plan on doing it again next year making it bigger and better so we'll see where that goes but i'd highly encourage you know anybody has a chance next year to go out on the fishing boat
2: To i was do also so. going to say to kim I hope people got a chance to read the comments that Alex cook had based on the questions that you asked him about Savelle and the dog Derby. Cause oh, yeah. they, were, they were pretty funny. Yeah.
0: I was on the boat with Savelle. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so Savelle didn't handle the 24 inch, uh, breakers very well when boats passed by, but, uh, you know, not many Savelle. people
2: do to, to <laughs> his credit. Not many people do. So, <laughs>
0: it was fun it, it it was a lot of fun so especially you know when um Alex talked about catching four four sharks and he had to send them all back um one of our guys caught a link and we had to had to throw it back so uh couldn't keep those but Thursday guys it all starts again on Thursday no preseason press conference we'll talk to Kalen DeBoer after the first practice on Thursday and you know, a little bit of a surprise when we got the schedule. Just the first six practices will be opened in their entirety, so um, we don't have to play the song and dance of uh, going back into the media room and being called back, but uh, only six practices will be open to the public, and after that, the schedule hasn't been made clear if there's going to be anything for the fans or not, but uh, either one of you kind of a uh, little bit surprised that only six practices will be open to us?
1: Well, first of all, can we need to make sure people know – we're not saying they're open to the public. They're open to the press.
0: Open to the press. Yeah, because
1: yeah. people will take that and think they can show up. Um, so we don't want, you know, you're gonna have to check with UW on when they're open to the public. But as far as um, you know, six being open, I'm I'm actually surprised we get to watch any in their entirety. Um, I thought we would it would basically be like spring ball where we'd go in for 30 minutes and. Write our write our what we saw recap and do our interviews afterwards and then do a podcast afterwards and that would and that would be our day. But we're only going to be watching six practices in full we're only going to at this point in time we only have I don't know what another six practices where we're doing interviews. And things like that. And then I think some decisions still need to be made. Um, There's got to be a picture day here coming up. Um, You know, I I know there's one coming up or we've we've got a rumor of a day that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, right now, that's kind of what it is. So, yeah, I was a little surprised, but I'm honestly surprised we get to watch six in their entirety.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because in spring ball, we, anytime they went to scrimmage or contact, I'd say um, maybe we got a little bit of it, but we didn't get a whole lot. So we'll see what we get to see, and we will be all over it, um, you know, so just keep it right here at dogman.com. Um, and for those out of the area, uh, we're through with our heat wave of, what, six consecutive days above 90 degrees, but it looks like we're expecting temperatures over the next week to be in the mid Mid to high 70s and maybe creep into the low 80s, which is perfect weather for uh, for fall camp. So, um,
1: yeah, Kim, where I was, it was over 100 every day except for yesterday, which was 97. You were inside;
0: it was air conditioned. I I was
1: not; I was outside most of the time. uh,
0: Anyways, hey, we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors, and when we return, we'll dive into recruiting a little bit. So, uh, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law we are back i'm kim Greenwalds along with chris fetters and scott eckland and football practice to begin on thursday first day of fall camp we will be all over fall camp and into the season and just hey what was what was your best part of summer vacation scott before we dive into recruiting what was your favorite thing
1: Well, I I always love going up to SunCadia with my family. Uh, It isn't just me, my wife, and my two kids. It's uh, all 25 of uh, my side of the family that that get together, and we do that every year. And um, it's fun, but it also marks the end of summer. And, you know, I know it's not the end of summer, but it marks the end of summer for me because soon after, I always begin fall camp. And so that's what's happening this year. It was a lot of fun, but I'm ready to get going. I want to talk some football.
0: Your favorite thing on summer vacation, Chris? I mean, it's not like we get a true vacation where we leave, but we got more time off.
2: Well, there was so much. I mean, with COVID and everything else and just the lack of travel the last few years, um, I had to make up for some lost time. I had some trips that were on the docket the last few years that uh, finally were able to take. Went to a a wedding. um, Really good friends of mine over in England for a few days. Got a chance actually to go to Toronto for a week, which was great. I got a chance to see the Mariners play. Got a chance to go to a meetup there, which was a lot of fun. Got a chance to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in years, obviously, because of, of the virus. And But I, I'd say, you know, those were the highlights. And then as well, I got a chance to go back to Walla Walla where I went to college and got a chance to spend a few days and catching up with a bunch of friends back there. That's going back there is always a, a really, really good time. Always have fun there. So those were a few of the highlights of some of the things I got a chance to do.
0: Yeah. And this, this past year, um, with last football season, the way it started, the way it ended, uh, Jimmy Lake getting fired and Kalen DeBoer getting hired, basketball starting off on the wrong foot and then playing pretty well at the end. Then spring ball and the way the recruiting calendar works where it just seemed like we put in more time. I mean, more focused time you know, longer than at any year that I can recall in a long time. We typically start slowing down right around May 1st, but it just seemed like we went into the first week of June until we were really able to slow down. And then I'll just never forget waking up and on July 2nd, my thermostat kicked in because it was freaking cold out, you know, but, uh, we got those 90 degree days and I was able to play quite a bit of golf and, You know, the way I play with a good group of guys and it's always cool to take money from them. And I think I've taken more money from them this year than they've taken from me. So uh, that's been a lot of fun and just, you know, looking forward to basketball, some basketball stuff coming up here shortly. And then football practice, being around the coaches, being around the guys and, you know, just doing what we do. I mean, I don't think any of us would disagree what we do. It's a grind, but you know it's a good grind. We, we, I don't think any of us complain we've all got a pretty good gig. So I wouldn't give this up and go back to my 25 years in real estate for anything. So anyways, but
1: recruiting, Scott,
0: um, you know, it's just a couple of commits here since we've done our last podcast. Do you want to touch bases on those?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the one that uh, is the one that kind of came out of nowhere, um, but we knew about it, but we knew about it like a day or two ahead of time was – uh the uh kid out of Lawndale, uh Kali Tafai, offensive tackle, 6'6", 300 pounds, uh, had taken a visit to Washington back in May when he got his uh offer from the University of Washington, told me that it absolutely blew him away on his visit and uh went back and thought about it and uh made a commitment to the University of Washington back on the twenty-seventh. Of course, it was the first day of my quote unquote vacation. So and Kim, I think you asked me the question if I've Every, it, pretty much every year that I've gone on this family vacation with my family um, there's been a commit and um, this one was Khalid Tafai this year and uh, big get for the Washington Huskies he makes that five offensive linemen in the class and they've gotten a lot longer um, there isn't a guy under I, I Landon Hatchett, I think is the shortest one and I think he's six three the rest of them are six five or taller
0: Huge is the word I've been hearing on how big their offensive line has become. Huge.
2: Hey, Scott, I was really curious about your take on, you know, and I, I suppose I could have gone back and looked over the some of the recruiting blogs in the past, but, you know, clearly they've, they've almost created a new cascade front, so to speak. W- was that something that was on your radar from the beginning? Did you see Scott Huff? Looking to remake this thing, or do you think that that was something that was mandated from the top, and he just had to kind of redo, yeah, kind of what their thinking was and all that stuff.
1: Scott Huff has long said, and this is I, what is what is he in year five here at the University of Washington, maybe six, whatever yeah. it is, whatever year it is. He he said he prefers guys who are in the six five to six seven range for every position. That's what he would like. And he wants guys who can run. Um, he doesn't mind if they get up and, you know, to be really big, like what Jackson Kirkland is. But as long as they can run, that's what he really cares about. Well, they got away from that the last couple of years because I think John Donovan wanted more guys who were just going to be come up, fire off and, and, and um, you know, uh, block and d- drive block guys and, and things like that. And they were doing zones and, and things like that. They weren't pulling as much. And so – um, I don't. I think they got away from what Scott Huff really likes to do, which is have guys who can pull, have guys who are athletic and play in space, can get blocks at the second, maybe even third level, and so that that's what you've seen. Because uh, Rob McKeefry, the strength and conditioning coach, he was talking about, and I think Kalen DeBoer talked about how they had lost something like two or three percent body fat across the board on you know an average on the uh, on the roster and and had um what was it they had dropped an average of 12 pounds is that what it was something yeah, like no, that no. Um, whatever the numbers were but go back and find that out but um you know he's they, they've been touting the fact that they're getting leaner and stronger at the same time and that's what i think scott huff wants to do um the other thing that we heard when the new hey, staff came- hey
0: chris hey, before you move on real quick we're talking about getting bigger and you know longer but the one that i just keep on going back that's just kind of an outlier is with parker brailsford
1: yeah, that, that's true, but he's more of a center, and he's going to be a center at the University of Washington, and he was a guy who was already committed under the staff – or I'm sorry, before the staff even came here, and he was the only one that Scott Huff was able to keep it on on board. So I think that's why he's he's here. Um, this staff might not have recruited him, but I think once he got in, they've been raving about his work ethic and what he's been able to do and how much bigger he's gotten and how smart he is. And I think that's... So they I think overall they would like to get longer, but they're going to go after guys who are on the shorter side if they feel like they can still have success at this level.
2: Yeah, I think, I think when I look at a guy like Burlesford, I immediately go straight to Nick Harris. And I think that, you know, with nick harris's success under scott huff i think scott huff is always going to keep in mind a guy at center or maybe even at guard if he fits the template of that guy and if parker brailsford goes along the exact same trajectory as a nick harris he's going to leave room for that kind of guy if there is a special exception
0: a special trait a special trait correct
2: the, but so he is the one that would be an outlier for uh, an outlier for sure, Kim. I agree 100. percent But the other one, when they talk about losing 12 whatever pounds and all that stuff, the one clear outlier here, Jackson Kirkland. Jackson Kirkland's gained 30 pounds. Chris, so, I don't know
0: if you I don't know if you heard, but I mean I'm standing next to Jackson Kirkland and I rub I, I you know I tighten my you know ran my hand down my shirt to make my stomach flat, and I asked Jackson Kirkland to do that. And I said, whose gut is bigger? And he goes, yours. That man, that is the leanest 340 pound human being I have ever seen. I
2: weigh 162 pounds, and I have a bigger gut than Jackson Kirkland. Oh, I'm sure it's all muscle. I, d- I don't doubt that for a second. In in the sense, but it is funny that you know most of these guys when they do that muscle fat transfer, they lose the fat and they they gain it a little back in muscle. But he is the one exception where it seems like. He's leaned down. He's done exactly what everyone else has done, but ironically, his weight's gone way up because that muscle transfer is has been obviously tremendous and it has been probably um, probably an out. I would say an outlier, uh, scary an outlier human. compared to that.
0: Scary human. Yeah. So
2: no, and, and and it's given him time. Clearly, when you have an ankle injury to the point where you have to have surgery. It's obviously given him time to work on his upper body, and you can clearly see he's put in a lot of work.
0: Scott, what's what's upcoming on recruiting?
1: Well, on Thursday, uh, one of Washington's top uh, defensive back targets, uh, Jordan Sanford is going to make his decision. I think it's either his birthday or a brother's birthday or something like that, somebody's birthday in his family. Yeah, and, he announced
2: it in mid-July. He put it on yeah. his Twitter feed, but he didn't say why august 4th he just said i'm going to be committing on august 4th
1: yeah i'm pretty sure it's 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 a birthday or an anniversary i can't remember 100 percent, but uh whatever it was well he had told me and i looked through my text and i couldn't find it so um you know i can't remember what it was but it, it's some sort of memorable thing for he and his family so uh he's he made that uh, announcement and um i've i I did an interview after Jordan got back from his official visit to the University of Washington at the end of June, and he told me – he said some things to me off the record that made me just feel that Washington was probably going to be the choice. He didn't visit TCU officially uh, during during the uh, official visit period. And then took a visit there uh, to TCU this past weekend. It sounded like he liked it quite a bit. But I still think Washington – I still feel really good about where Washington stands. They put in a crystal ball back at the beginning of July for him. Feel really good about that. Haven't heard anything that's made me want to change my mind. Doesn't mean it couldn't be wrong. But right right at this point, uh, what are we, three days away? Um, Still feeling really good about Washington's chances to add him. He's a four-star defensive back. And a guy who's probably going to come in and play some safety when he gets to the University of Washington.
0: Anything else on recruiting you need to update, Scott? Um,
1: not a lot. Uh, I've talked to a few guys. Keith Reynolds, I think, is one that's on everybody's mind. The wide receiver out of Adelanto, which is, I think, it's in Northern California, but uh, um, he's really uh, so, oh no, I'm sorry, that's out of Palmdale, so that's down south. But um, he's he's a guy who he's five ten. He's on the smaller side. He's about. 160, 770 pounds somewhere around there, and um, took a visit to Oregon. I'm still waiting to hear back from him how his trip went, uh, but it sounds like it went pretty well. But uh, told me also that he's still 100% Washington, and no matter whether anybody offers or not, um, Washington said uh, they appreciated him telling him telling them that they he was going to take the visit. So. Uh, We'll just kind of have to keep an eye on that one, see where it goes. He told me he wants to take his official visit to Washington in the first month of the season, and that's kind of what he's looking at. Devin Bryant, I just put a post up him, uh, a story up on him uh, for a check-in, and he's planning a visit that first month of the season as well. Sometime in September is what he'd like to do. Uh, Said he might not make or he's not going to make the Michigan State game because they play Kahuku on that same day. But uh, he's looking at some other uh, some other games to make it up. Um, he's 100 percent locked in, not taking calls or visits to any other schools. Um, I'm working on vis on updates from every one of the other commits. Uh, Lincoln Keinholtz is a guy I have not been able to reach. Only commit I haven't been able to reach at this point. And um, they don't have yeah. phones in South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that, but he's just – I think he's just – he's like, I made, I made my commitment. I don't need to talk to anybody anymore. Hey, so just real we'll,
0: quick, Scott. Is Keith Reynolds playing all, with fire a little bit? Visiting yes, he is. Again? He
1: absolutely is. If he's going to take visits and, and be open to talking to some of these other schools, he's definitely playing with fire. I think right now the Huskies are still going to re- keep him committed and everything like that. But uh, if he keeps it up, I, I could see them just saying, you know what? go look somewhere else. We're going to find someone that we really liked who is committed to us. And, and some,
2: I was going to say, there's some more context to that um, Scott in the mm-hmm. sense that he went up, he went up to both of the Oregon schools with his teammates. Yeah. So yes, he camped and all that stuff. He camped at Oregon. That was the more high profile visit, but I want people to make sure they understand. He also visited Oregon state. Mm-hmm. So I- he was, he was just a teammate going with these other things obviously they're going to want Oregon's going to want to roll out the red carpet. Oregon state's want, going to want to roll out the red carpet to any Washington commit. So wh- who knows what the future holds for a guy like that. And I agree hundred percent that if you're going to do that, even if you let the coaches know that just gives them license to open up the recruitment again. And to, if, if you're not hundred percent in, we're not hundred percent in that said, you know, it, it wasn't one of those where he was actively looking at other places He was, it was part of a planned trip. So I, I'm will, I, in this particular instance, I I would hope that fans would give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt.
0: My gut says that there was a conversation between the coaches that, uh, there are consequences to actions and something along that line. I'm sure that stuff came up, you know, when, I mean, if it was a five-star recruit, it's a recruiting talk, but I kind of got the feeling that, that, conversation with the coaches they kind of laid it on the line if uh you know if you're going to take visits your spot's going to open up so um anything else scott
1: uh right now no um kids cannot be on campus until the start of the football season which is september 3rd for the university of washington and uh other than that the husky coaches are still looking at film they just they had a guy this past weekend up it looks like an unofficial visit uh, from a 2024 kid that I'm going to try and reach out to and get a hold of. But uh, other than that, not going to be a lot of recruiting stuff going on this month, other than the commit from Jordan Sanford, possibly. But possibly, and, and maybe another one you might see pop before a senior season. But other than that, going to be kind of quiet in the month of August and things pick up in September. So wrap it up, Chris Fedders. Final thoughts?
2: Just excited to, you know, it's all the the fun stuff of summer is done for us. It's now time to, to get into the grind of fall camp. Um, I think that Washington fans should be super super excited about what's going on. Lots of questions on both sides of the ball. I think they I think they left their situation in a good spot uh, at the end of spring ball. It looked like most most the guys were healthy or at least. Well on the mend. If you're talking about the running backs and, and guys like that, so I, I I don't really see other than uh, Ed or Olafosio I'm not. I don't know if there's any real long-term uh, injury guys that I may have missed, but um, you know, so they're kind of going into camp pretty healthy. Um, should see a lot of competition, and um, you know, we're going to try to make as much hay out of these first five six practices as we can because. That's for you guys, to, to give to give you guys the firsthand impressions of what's going on. We're going to dig deep into all that good stuff and um, really looking forward to this one. As excited for a fall camp as I've been in a while because of the staff and kind of the stuff that they've already laid foundation-wise in the spring, I think they're in good shape.
1: Wrap it up, Scott. Uh, just would echo a lot of the things that Chris said, you know, excited to get started with football instead of just talking about all the off field stuff. I'm looking forward to actually talking about on field stuff. Uh, you know, last year we thought Washington was one of the favorites going in and uh, they disappointed. And so I think this is a chance for this staff to come in and really uh, excite some people, get them excited with with a couple good wins um washington started off with a loss against montana last year didn't think that would ever happen kent state comes in i think this team's going to be ready to go and focused and uh they'll get some things done and and it'll be exciting to see where this team is able to go they've got a lot of talent they've got a lot of experience and um i think they like the fact that they were picked sixth uh so midway through the conference That puts them at, what, about seven and five. I think most people are projecting them in that range. I've said up to nine, maybe even ten wins if things break right. But uh, I'd see eight and four and nine and three are kind of where I'm seeing things. And I think Washington's got a great shot to surprise some people this season.
0: Nobody's going to be covering the season as well as fall camp like the guys at dogman.com. And if you're not a subscriber, I know sometimes we run these, you know, pretty frequently. We run the promotions, but uh, one of the things, you know, we're in a hundred bucks for the year, but if you are paying the full freight on that at a hundred bucks, or if you upgrade from monthly to yearly, if you are a full price yearly subscriber to dogman.com, it includes Paramount+. Plus you know and that's uh that's a big get so you know you can actually just sign up and pay full price for Dogman and tell your wife you're actually subscribing for you know, Paramount Plus and Dogman comes along with it. But uh, that's a screaming deal. I'm kind of looking forward to Paramount Plus because I haven't seen Top Gun yet. And where it is at, uh, Top Gun's going to be released on Paramount Plus without an additional fee. So we'll see what that has uh, when that comes up. But, again, if you're paying the 99 bucks for the year and you subscribe today, you'll get full access to Paramount Plus after the um free trial period ends i think it's seven days you can cancel on that and then uh after that expires you have full access to paramount plus which i think is a huge add-on to the subscription and if you if you're still on those monthly plans you know just go ahead and upgrade and uh you'll get access to paramount plus as well as a yearly subscriber um Tell your friends, you know, like I said, you know, we work our butt off. You know, I think we do it better than anybody else out there. Nobody's going to get as in-depth and have as much coverage as uh, as we do here. So uh, we do appreciate all you guys. And for the, also, if you're looking for those daily or regular updates on what's going on on football, basketball, and recruiting, as well as any breaking news alerts, you know, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, and we'll put you on that list. Again, Stadium at gmail.com, and just put in subject line newsletter, and we will get you hooked up. So the grind has begun. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grennolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eckland. Go, dogs. <laughs>